headquarters in Oslo, Norway, and on behalf of our host, Robbie Peralta, welcome to the Mnemonic Security Podcast. Back in the day, it was a common notion in our security world that the bad guys only needed to get it right once, while the defenders needed to get it right every time. Thanks to years of maturation on the blue side and a widespread implementation of defense and depth strategies, we'd like to think that this isn't the case anymore. Our new, positive, and optimistic way of thinking about this now is that the blue team simply need to use their home court advantage and make sure that they don't get their architecture wrong in the process. Basically, just don't lose with the architecture, and you should have a fair chance of winning, or surviving as we should say. Therefore, we thought we'd bring in a man that is a one-stop shop for security in his organization, who has done a thorough job of getting to really know his home court, and figuring out the best ways of protecting it. Simon Simonson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Robbie, and uh, thank you for that uh, awesome introduction. Uh, now I cannot get anyone <laughs> down at all, uh, having heard that. No pressure. We just got to protect our home court. That's right. <laughs> um, and it sounds uh, easy and it's a lot of work to protect your home court. Uh, exactly. When we first, should we give a bit of background for you calling me in on this? or is that... Yeah, that sounds great. Why All don't right. we start with that? So uh, you actually never told me how you found me, but I guess you found me <laughs> on li- other than you looked up on LinkedIn. Is that how you do all your research? You know what? You are a very active LinkedIn user. So I, um, I I was seeing a lot of the posts you were posting and I was reading a lot of them and they were all good. And I think the the one that specifically hopped out to me was the one that where you're mentioning OODA loops and traditional CM. Yes. And how those two are sort of uh, working into each other, working away from each other. They're really interesting articles. So I thought it was uh, it's actually pretty much what we're going to discuss today. That's right. Uh, or that's what you're talking So let's let's... Should we start with explaining the ODA loop? Because uh, it's just four letters and people may not know what they stand for. Yeah, let's start. Why not? Let's so do so the, o- the ODA loop is observe, orient, decide, and act. So it's basically a decision process. And uh, we're not going to spend a lot of theory time on this, but you can look it up and Google it and you'll find some stuff about uh, the US uh, Air Force or something like that. Mm. Uh, and you can spend a lot of time on that. Air Force, yeah. yeah. Mm. But in terms of IT security, uh, my thinking about it was that uh, the adversary, the red teamer or whoever is trying to break into our infrastructure, as well as myself, we have competing ODA loops. So whoever can successfully navigate the ODA loop quicker than the other, the adversarial party, will mm. not lose. And as you said in your introduction, uh, the bad guys only have to get it right once. But another way to look at it was to look uh, to say, okay, as a defender, I just have to never lose, but I don't have to win. Mm. And then it doesn't sound as bad as it sort of looks. Mm. Um, but how you get there and the way that uh, we in uh, in DC, the company that I work for, has approached this, because even though I am, a, as you said, a one, one, uh, one guy's shop, I do have a lot of uh, fantastic colleagues in the IT ops teams, uh, mm. which I work in, with. So it, it is a team effort that's important to, to underline. Uh, you need, or my approach was to say what makes an adversary, what makes it easier for an adversary to move through my infrastructure. And uh, the two things that came to mind was uh, complexity, the complexity of your infrastructure. And the other thing is uh, misconfigurations, saying mm. that we didn't, uh, you know, set up our AD correctly or we didn't, it works for the business, 
but from a security perspective, it, it, it's not the optimal uh, configured. And uh, to that end, uh, Microsoft, to their credit, in the more recent years, have actually put out a lot of uh, good white papers to mm. help you harden up your infrastructure. I think a lot of people need to do that, to read those white papers. And then the other thing mm. is to have the time to do what's in the white papers. I think that is uh, probably a, a, um, a, what's needed in a lot of IT ops departments uh, in, in, the, in the companies is they don't get the time to to harden up the infrastructure. I've, mm. uh, that's my sort of when I talk to people in the business is that there are a lot of good uh, people working on the inside, but they don't uh, have the time to, to, to get it done. So mm. getting back to the order loop, so we have these two competing order loops. Uh, so how do I gain an edge in terms mm. of, uh, of my adversary? My adversary will come into my network. He doesn't know it, so he has to build or get to know my network. Well, if I know my network better than he does, then I have an advantage of mm. uh, maybe catching him as he's trying to orient himself in my network. Mm. Um, so in, in that respect, collecting uh, data from our network or from our endpoints becomes crucial. Basically, data becomes uh, what will feed our OODA loop just as the adversary will need to gain an, gain an understanding of our infrastructure. He will also need to collect data. So if we can collect data more efficiently and mm. work it and analyze it more efficiently than he can, we will not be late in our order loop completion. Uh, mm. So that's, that's the theory of it, uh, mm. if, if we talk order loop. Mm. Where did you, um, first of all, uh, Give us a little introduction to yourself and, and the company you work for. And yeah. how did you start your journey with OODA Loops? Yes. So uh, I came across this uh, OODA Loop uh, concept actually when I was doing some trading a couple of years ago. Uh, and I thought mm. it, 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 it hit a note with me. And it also makes it easier. I, I have found that it was easy to explain this concept to management and my colleagues. When we talk, okay, so how do we make IT security not lose? Okay, well, we need to, to think of it as an older loop uh, or competing older loops and then look at our infrastructure. How can we gain uh, an edge by collecting data, adding context, because uh, we know how we built the infrastructure or we built the architecture, mm. adding that context into the data that we're collecting and then looking for things that we would not expect, like we would not expect a client in uh, finance to start uh, checking out uh, admin shares on a client in uh, one of the other business teams, for instance. Mm. So if we collect the data and we add context that we know from our, our, our infrastructure, then we can build on, the, on speeding up our order loop. So it becomes, mm. it becomes a, a way to gain speed in your order loop, but it, it's not... Uh, how do you say it doesn't do it in itself you still have to have a skilled uh, skilled employees or, or skilled colleagues in my uh, in my case and you need to add knowledge about how the infrastructure is built so uh, if you have both and you can fuse these with the data that you collect then you can start build the foundation for making your older loop run mm. so how did you start building that foundation so in, in practical terms, uh, and uh, 
I the first thing I did was I installed an open source when I started uh, working at this company. I put in an open source mm. distribution of an IDS called Security Onion, mm. which uh, prides itself. Little onion, yeah. Yeah, mm. it prides itself <laughs> with peeling back your your network layers as an onion, and that in itself uh, creates visibility. Mm. Uh, the next thing, uh, major thing in this regard, we started doing was uh, experimenting with uh, at the time uh, Sysmon which is mm. Microsoft endpoints, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, free, uh, one of the things that's uh, that's free, and getting that on the uh, on the endpoints, and then the data that was collected there was then sent to at the time a new uh, open source project called Helk, uh, the Hunting Elk. Mm, hunting elk. Yeah, it has since uh, grown to a quite mature uh, project. Uh, there are others out there. There's also one that's called. <clears throat> Soft Elk, I be, believe it's called. It's part okay, of a yeah. course. Uh, both open source. Uh, you don't have to spend any money to do this. Mm. And then once we had that data being collected from the endpoints, uh, there's a couple of uh, configurations that you need to do in your Windows environment, but it doesn't cost you any money, which is mm. uh, can be important in some uh, places. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> then we found once we had the visibility, we weren't, you know, threat hunting per se, but we were using the data to find out uh, the misconfigurations mm. in our environment because now we could start looking easily, start looking up and having these discussions with the system engineers. Oh, look, we're using this old uh, NTLM V1 over here. Uh, and then it now you have the advantage of being able to sort of counteract the point Whenever you want to change something, someone will say, oh, we don't know what that will break. You want to turn mm. up the security or you want to turn something on or turn another thing off. And then they'll say, oh, we can't do that. We don't know what it will break until you can tell me what it will break or will not break. I can't do it because then I'm I'm risking business process and availability. Mm. So, a valid argument, a valid valid. Uh, totally, totally, concern. totally mm. valued argument. But it could also become a very easy way of shutting down a lot of uh, hardening uh, or or yeah. addressing misconfigurations because right now the misconfigurations you don't see them because they're not causing uh, issues to the business mm. so they're not perceived as being something you need to address but from mm. a security standpoint they are also providing a lot of uh, leverage or easy access to a potential attacker so mm. how do you how do you move forward on that and 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 the way that we have done it here in, in, in my business is to collect the data. We get the data, we work the data, and then we can we can have a meaningful or qualify the discussion about what will or will not break before we make mm. the change. And mm. That uh, offers a lot of uh, comfort I have found to both my colleagues in IT ops, but certainly, mm. of course, also to the business. Mm. Because now we can do these things and we do do these things uh, without causing an issue and that's important you can't i mean uh, at the end of the day it security is a cost sensor just like everything else so uh, i don't get to break stuff yeah <laughs> and if i would make you popular at least yeah <laughs> you break something and then you have to wait another six months or so for them to forget that you broke something and then you can try again and you know that's six months where the adversary has uh, has a potential advantage right so you started collecting this data. You mentioned the, the, the network data and then some endpoint data. Um, how did you prioritize your efforts uh, from, from there? 
So before, uh, and this is sort of a, a site uh, sort of running in, in parallel, uh, there's a project that started out in 2014, I think called Mitre Attack. I'm sure yeah. everyone has heard about mm. it now. But another thing that also started out was uh, I found that by reading on, you know, reading on blogs and uh, being on Twitter uh, is a, a project called Detect uh, by Rabobank. And they have a GitHub uh, that you should check out. Uh, okay. So what they basically did was they said, okay, we know the attack, uh, how that works and what it is. Uh, but what do you need to collect in terms of blocks in order to see these attack techniques? Or detect mm. attack techniques. So what these guys did was is, is pretty novel. So they started mapping out all the log sources that you need in order to uh, detect a given attack technique, so to speak. And then uh, I think this year actually, uh, if you go to the attack uh, webpage, they have a the matrix. Yeah. Yeah, mm. they have an attack navigator. So you can actually upload the JSON files and then have it color coded and everything sort of heat mapped out. And then uh, this year, the, the tech guys outdid themselves. So they took a lot of the threat intel that's been published by companies like Red Canary, Kaspersky, FireEye, and so forth, mm. and made uh, JSON files. So you could just upload the different JSON files and then you can start looking at, okay, what techniques do I, do I need to focus on detecting? Uh, and even if you just go across uh, through of, uh, two or three of these uh, published uh, data sets, you will immediately notice uh, stuff like uh, phishing and spear phishing, uh, PowerShell, scheduled tasks, and so forth coming out. So just take uh, maybe four or five to begin with and then start working on, on detecting those. Uh, so you, you focus on what techniques are actually most often being used in an adversarial uh, from an adversarial uh, mm. side and then mm. uh, as a blue team that's where you want to put your your efforts mm. now were those uh what that is per definition threat hunting i guess huh it, it turns into threat hunting but but before you can threat hunt you need to collect the data so and then again before right. you can detect you need to collect Threat collecting. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Data, you, you collect the data, which is a prerequisite for for detecting. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Now, were those, um, you know, you mentioned like the PowerShell and the spear phishing. Were those models that were uh, that you that you used, were they specific for your industry or were they just uh, industry agnostic? Uh, I did both. Uh, it depends mm. on some of the the what do you call them, uh, the reports that are put out are industry-specific. So, of course, you can look at those. Uh, my industry, it should be said that the company that I'm in is, is in energy trading, so we could be considered sort of an energy-type company. Uh, but also if, kind of finance? or Yeah, and also finance. Finance, mm. if you want to call it that. So... I would, I would just... The two most targeted industries, yeah, energy and yeah, finance. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, lucky, yeah. lucky man. <laughs> yeah. So I could just mm. basically pick any one of them, and I would be I would line up with with what what's in them. The one that I I used was the the general one uh, from uh, if I'm allowed to say that FireEye, mm. and like um, FireEye. the other one were the ones from uh, Red Canary, mm. uh, because they have also built another tool that I've used. It's called the Atomic Tests. Okay. Some yeah. red team tests, so you can check out whether or not your uh, detection capabilities would detect uh, a possible red team technique. 
Uh, okay. They also have it on mm. GitHub. If you need to, can't fall asleep at mm. night, you can also check that out. <laughs> but but uh, but in order to to figure out what to focus on, I use those uh, sources, and then I I use the uh, initially I just read them. Uh, but then they came out with their tech navigator and uh, Rabobank uh, guys uh, did the, the text. So when I speak to management or my colleagues, I just show them these, uh, this uh, heat map that it produces. And then we can have a meaningful discussion about where we need to sort of put our focus. Uh, in your investments? Mm. Yeah. Well, invest some of this, you could build that for not, for not spending any money. Mm. You could, you, it sounds like you've done a good job using with, uh, uh, open source technologies. And I would say with uh, with Sysmon and and uh, and the Helk infrastructure, which also mm. allows you to orchestrate. It also allows you to alert and and orchestrate, and it also integrates another, I think, a significant achievement for the blue team, which is uh, the Sigma rules that have been. Uh, it's more, I guess it's geared towards the CMs, but it's, it's vendor agnostic. So you can detect a specific uh, sec, uh, technique uh, with a Sigma rule, and then the Sigma tool will allow you to just generate the, the query that you need to whatever CM that you're using. So if you're using Splunk and you want to detect a suspicious PowerShell, they can uh, give you that line right out of the box that you need. To cool. So it's like a translation tool. You, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, highly recommend looking into that also. And, and mm. this, once you have the whole, these tools in place, so you have the data coming in and you're working the data, you're analyzing the data, then you have uh, the option or you have, then you gain more, more capability. You can now uh, orchestrate and respond in an efficient manner or you can utilize and leverage the Sigma rules to automate or, or provide the, what do you call it, the basis for optimization mm. the response. So once you've got that data collected, you, you you know figured out what you wanted to collect, how to collect it, what was your move then? Well, the next move was to get it in a way to, we, we want to be able to act on it. So if, if we're talking the older loop, so mm. we, we we are now able to uh, to go to do the two O's. <laughs> the mm. first. So now comes the decision part. So and in my, if you're a blue team or a blue team or a SOC uh, type uh, type person, then of course is this good or bad? That's the decision you have to make. And a lot of time uh, the rules are general, so they're not fit to your specific, let's say we're talking network, network context. Mm. So the work then became uh, with enriching the data that is collected so it would match the context that we have. If we're talking the network scenario, uh, the work became, okay, We need, I needed to make some changes to the standard HELC uh, long mm. dash uh, pipeline. I wanted to enrich the data, uh, so I would uh, either add add uh, context. In this case, the context would be: Is this a VLAN that has clients on it that's in finance, for instance, or is this a server VLAN that is internal? And once mm. so, you, you do what you need to do in in the Elastic stack in order to either add a field or add a tag or whatever. Once you have that, then you can refine your queries once again and saying, "Okay, show me all the client to client." generated network traffic, for instance. Mm. Then you start seeing stuff that you may be surprised about. 
you will also start to see stuff that is uh, benign. So you thought I wouldn't have any uh, client-to-client traffic. Uh, and then you need to filter that out. So you will need to, these queries that may come out of the box from a CM or from the Sigma rules, working with tailoring those so they're specific to our environment, is, it would be step two, because that, mm. that would provide a more solid decision-making and once you have that dialed in, then you would be less inclined or you will be there will be less of a risk of you breaking something if you then automatically say, if I see this, that endpoint gets isolated, no questions asked. Mm. So to me, it sounds like you you started the process with just uh, uh, you know doing the the sort of the side phase on your own, using your own intuition. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once you've worked out some of those kinks and you started automating some of some of those processes is that correct yes and the optimize mm. getting to the level where you can optimize where you can actually believe or safely pull the trigger on isolating a, a given endpoint is is a long way and mm. it takes a lot of uh, and when and i wouldn't there's a few there's a very few rules in our in our analytics set right now that would cause a automatic isolation of a given endpoint but they are there but the few that are there, you are very confident that that's I a good idea, right? I am absolutely confident. If I ever see that yeah. in my environment from an endpoint, it gets uh, isolated. Yeah. And that's the information that you've received or, you know, the, maybe got from some of those vendors that you mentioned earlier, the FireEye or the, the guys yeah, that are... Yes, or, or in case it's, it's behavioral that's specific to my environment. So if mm. I ever see, let's, if we're talking network, if we stick with that again, if I ever see traffic mm. going... Uh, in this direction, from that VLAN, I know that should never happen, mm. for instance. Mm. And I'm sure that once the IT ops guys and maybe the network guys start talking together, the network guys always have some sort of VLAN dedication. It might be, you know, you, you talk about flat networks and there's no access list between the VLANs, but mm. usually they do, you know, dedicate a VLAN to printers or dedicated VLAN to uh, client machines in Brussels and uh, another VLAN mm. to client machines in uh, in London or whatever you may have. Uh, mm. So just working with that context and then putting that in that into your Logstash uh, config. So you add that into the, that alone will help you on, on your way or detecting or finding out what is real traffic and what should not be there. And it also allows you to have that discussion with the ops guys saying, okay, uh, can we, this will not break anything if we add this host-based firewall rule, for instance. Mm. Mm. You know, I'm sitting here thinking like you've, sounds like you've done a, you know, fantastic job with all these uh, open, a lot of, you've mentioned a lot of open source technologies. Uh, you've really, you know, worked to understand, you know, what you're doing, why you're doing it, uh, try to automate as much as possible. How much time have you put into like you know keeping the process um, up? How do you keep it? Uh, how do you maintain it? Uh, keep it going. Not enough, unfortunately. <laughs> a lot of um, a lot of this is still, I would say, in in beta mode. But we're seeing we're seeing the benefit, and mm. it, it's uh, if there's one thing you know, there's this thing about I'm um, I'm battling the adversaries or trying to find them uh, or threat hunting and so forth. But I think the main driver right now is the ability to have this qualified discussion with the IT ops guys in general, which I'm in their team. So in that that regard, I may be in a 
bit different position than some of my colleagues that are outside of the ops team and it there might be a lot of a uh, friction so to say between IT security yeah. mm. uh, fortunately we don't have that uh, at least uh, they're not saying it to my face if mm. we do <laughs> um, i think that's a huge help um, so just seeing that it works allows us to move f- further ahead and then the optimization i'm sure will come uh, it's not fully automated. Like I said, there's, there's, there's some things that are still, uh, there's, there are a few things that are automated that would, uh, you know, be a kill switch type uh, reaction. Um, if, and not, I don't know if it's, if it's okay to, to mention Microsoft again here, but they have actually put out quite a few uh, write-ups about how they organize their SOC out of the, the mm. threat intelligence team and what is needed for them to get to a level where an alert would automatically be a you know a kill switch or something like that, and it takes mm. a lot of work. So, I, I, we like I said, it will be ongoing. Uh, this thing about implementing more and more sigma-based rules and then tailoring them to our uh, our environment, so we ultimately can get to a pl- place where yes, this could uh, be an automatic shutdown, or this will be a solid alert. So we don't spend a lot of time investigating, figuring out if something happened. But when we see it, we know something happened, and then we need we 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 know that we have to act on it. I think mm. that's the challenge, and that is mm. something that will probably just go on mm. because uh, the the infrastructure keeps growing, the more yeah. complexity is added. Mm, right. Well, it keeps you it keeps you busy. <laughs> it just keeps you on busy. So uh, on that on that article that you uh, sent to me earlier around CM versus uh, OODA loops, yes. they say that you should spend, uh, you know, in an ideal situation, you spend twenty five percent of your time on each stage, uh, observe, orient, decide, and act. Is that how? Is that a realistic sort of depiction of how you spend your time? Uh, I think the article, if if, if we take, uh, so I believe they're right when they say it should be twenty five in each, but. Mm. As you're building that capability, it, you, I think you should approach it as you're building an older capability. Uh, you would find yourself spending a lot more time in the in the first two uh, uh, steps. And if probably, you're starting from scratch, if you're starting from scratch, yeah. and I also think you will find yourself spending. Uh, if if you could add an extra letter to that, it should be the C uh, in the beginning of collecting, because collecting mm. it's is sort of the prerequisite for having an odor loop in the first place. Mm. I found myself spending a lot of time figuring out a way to collect data without having an impact on our systems. Mm. That's, Was that possible? <laughs> uh, it's, we ended up where by now we, uh, we, ha- we are not utilizing Sysmon as a as a tool to collect it anymore. And that has to do with that uh, we have a license for Microsoft that allows us to use one of their paid tools to do this. So we're using that instead. Mm. But mm. I know that people have and do uh, run uh, Sysmon on all their servers and they are working fine. And some mm. also even deploy Sysmon on their workstations. Mm. And that is working fine. And Sysmon at the workstations proved uh, rather difficult for us or for me mm. to get uh, at a level, I could get the data, no problem, but it uh, uh, the impact. What to on, do with the data, right? Yeah. No, no, that was that was also not a problem, but the impact of collecting the data proved to be uh, difficult for the business to live with. So 
performance wise yeah performance wise yeah mm. Mm. so um now that you've went through this process and learned everything how by the way how long have you been uh, you know working with this process in well, terms of time the i installed i started here at the at dc five years ago and one of the first things that it was to to get the security onion up and running and security onion mm. has matured immensely since then as a project mm. and we still use it um, mm. so yeah it's been and of course then there's other stuff i have to do as well uh, mm. but this has been sort of the underlying task of gaining maturity in this and this is taking yeah close to five years so it's not mm. it's not done, it's overnight. Not done overnight that's it's for not sure. done overnight yeah. uh, i'm sure there are plenty of vendors that will call me right after we this is a broadcast <laughs> and tell me that they can uh, they can save me for myself and uh, and the open source uh, tools that I'm using. Uh, yeah. But I do think, uh, and also you learn a lot. We learned a lot about mm. our infrastructure. And the other thing we probably haven't addressed so much here is, is the is the thing about misconfigurations. How our Active Directory can work perfectly fine from a business point of view, but be absolutely horrendously configured from a security point of view. That is mm. also a huge, uh, huge task, mm. um, and just figuring out uh, AD in itself is a is a lifelong experience. Is in my uh, yeah. at at this stage in my life, there's still stuff mm. that I can learn. Yeah, well, if, of all things, that's a very important thing to learn. I guess uh, key to the kingdom and the AD. Yes, but um, now that you've been through this process, a five year process, how has it affected your I want to say confidence in your communication towards your management, knowing your own home court. It's a great comfort, actually, uh, to be honest. Uh, of course, if you're in the same uh, same place for five years, you also uh, have some sort of uh, relationship building going off with, on with management in general. But it is nice to know that you have data before, during, and after a, a probable incident. The mm. worst thing that, in my mind, that I could have happen to me is, uh, okay, something bad happened, and then I have to turn Sysmon on and then pray for it to happen again so I can detect it. Mm. That, that position I am no longer in. Mm. So I'm confident that if, if, if something happens, I do have the data needed to perform the investigation. And I have uh, myself or my colleagues, and if need be, uh, externals uh, that can come in and help us uh, mm. to perform the investigation in order for us to determine what did and what uh, did not happen. Mm. Uh, and also we have the detection capability going on uh, on a concurrent basis. So we don't end up in a, yeah, like in a place where, oops, we have uh, so all of a sudden something happens and we have nothing in order for us to investigate. Uh, mm. I know your company does uh, incident response too, uh, besides broad, uh, podcasts. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that uh, your colleagues, uh, one of the first things they ask uh, people or look for when they come out in a given incident is uh, to look for the logs. They look for the data. Yep. yep. So having the data already collected, having it uh, maybe even analyzed or streamlined or in a format that's workable for a, in, in an incident response uh, type situation, that alone mm. is a huge advantage. Mm. Well, I guess there's uh, two types of incidents. There's <clears throat> it's one where they call us and they say, yeah, we know we have an incident and that's because they have logs. And there's other ones where they 
they got a call from a third party that so they didn't know, and yep. that's because they weren't collecting information. So there's definitely a, and it's an easy way to see who's uh, who's mature and who's not in those situations. Yeah, and even but, uh, even if you're mature, it doesn't mean you you won't get hit. But if you're mature, yeah. the, the the risk of the you getting hit having having a, a huge consequences for your business are are, are smaller. So mm. it's also about preparing or being prepared, I guess. Mm. I'm still amazed. I saw one of the. I'm not sure which threat report it was, but. Uh, on one of the front pages, it had a graph, and it said 197 days to detect is still the industry average to detect an incident. Yeah, and that that just amazes me to this day. We but need we need to do better. It has gone it has gone down from 235, which was like I think last year's number. So, <laughs> so slowly. Yeah, but if you look at and this is again reading some of the reports that we mentioned earlier, some of the really bad ones or bad incidents with ransomware. It turns out that. Uh, the attackers had been in the networks for a long time, or maybe they were in there and then they came back. Uh, mm. And it's again, it's our infrastructure, it's our home court. We do have, we're not some sort of a lame dog victim. You know, we shouldn't take this lying down. And I believe we can and should, we can mm. a lot in order to uh, to build a home court advantage here. That, that we, but but it is work, and it is not something that that uh, coincides with uh, gaining uh, edge in the business. So it may not be that uh, prioritized. Mm. There's, always, there's always that. <laughs> Especially if you, if you ask for money to do it. Yeah, right. Well, uh, so you, as the, the, you know, the sole security guy in your organization, at least uh, headcount-wise, you're part of the a team, obviously, but if you can make one wish for your organization, for yourself, how would it be? Uh, I would... Uh, and you can't ask for time. <laughs> I can't ask for time. So no. I would say train to retain. I think training uh, training the resources, or, and resources is such an ugly word, but, but, but most of the time, a lot of companies actually do have very good and skilled uh, IT ops people or IT system engineers. They want to do security, but mm. they may not get the time to do it or they may not have the skills to do it in an efficient manner so uh, that would be that would be my my wish uh, and this goes for for everybody on the on the blue side of uh, of things mm. i think uh, training is essential uh, if we go back to uh, microsoft's uh, infrastructure ad in itself it's uh, a lot of people have it uh, mm. microsoft have published and done a lot of changes to it. They have published a lot of uh, white papers about what we did uh, five years ago. Uh, we shouldn't be doing anymore because it causes all mm. kinds of problems. And mm. if uh, the IT uh, engineers or system engineers that's responsible for, for doing that doesn't have the time or are given the time to educate themselves and then subsequently make the changes needed to harden uh, the AD, if that's the one uh, thing we're talking about here, you will find yourself uh, in trouble, and mm. and uh, what what could have been a small incident becomes a huge incident because, uh, yeah, the knowledge of how to to do things correctly today, as opposed to what it was five years ago, is not in your organization. Right. Hmm. Well, I guess uh, I guess maybe your colleagues can listen to this podcast and think, okay, maybe maybe we'll. 
Yeah, yeah, my, my bot and uh, my CIO is going to chew me out for saying. Uh, <laughs> and... No, they're not. No, they're not. Yeah. Well, Mr. Simonson, yes. thank you very much for a good conversation. And uh, I wish you the best of luck with you and your OODA loops moving forward. Thank you. Thanks. Talk soon. Well, that's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the Mnemonic Security Podcast. If you have any concepts or ideas that you would like us to discuss on future episodes, please feel free to send us a mail to podcast at mnemonic.ml. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.